It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. And boy, do we have a game that was a little, uh, I'll say it's a lot more interesting than I expected this this episode to be. Auburn does lose to Georgia 27 to 20, but the score in and of itself shows some progress. And uh, we will definitely talk about uh, the highs and lows of Auburn's loss to the Bulldogs. Um because there's some there's some good things to peel back from this one, and there's a lot of stuff they can work on. Panner and I were talking before we recorded, and I was like, I don't think Auburn played particularly well, and you know came close to you know beating uh, or at least you know having a really really good game all the way to the end with with George Bulldogs. So um, I'm Justin Ferguson. Hello, uh, I am here, and I'm somewhere at Lake Martin right now. Um, so real quick, a little housekeeping before we get started. Um, uh, if you listen to our Thursday podcast uh, with our buddy Jordan Hill and Ben Wolk, uh, who both were in the game at the game on on uh, Saturday, Jordan is getting married uh, in a little while from now, and uh, his bachelor party ish weekend uh, is going to Talladega for the race on Sunday afternoon. He's a big race fan, so a lot of his friends uh, from the Auburn beat are going with him. So it's going to be a little interesting uh, to try to figure out what. Uh, my writing schedule is going to look like for you know Monday and Tuesday and, and, and whatnot, but we will have stuff for you. We will have newsletters for you. But we were we're recording this episode on Saturday night. Hopefully, you'll be hearing this sometime on Sunday morning. Joining me as always back in Auburn, holding down the fort, Dan Peck of the Dan Peck Radio Network. How are we doing, Dan? I'm doing all right. Hello, one and all. I just want to say to anyone who's upset about your schedule being disrupted, Jordan is worth it. Jordan Hill is a, a good friend of the show. I'm disappointed personally that okay. this game was as compelling as it was because I got another solid 45 minutes on Magnolia that we could do but because <laughs> but because there's actual stuff to discuss from what it's we saw on Saturday. Uh, we're going to have to put that on ice for uh, uh, for another week or so. But but yeah, big shout out to uh, to Jordan and Ben for uh, for coming on the show. And, and I thought that was a barn burner of an episode too. if folks missed. A lot uh, of the, this, uh, the the one we did earlier this week. A lot of stuff we talked about in that preview podcast actually came to fruition on 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 Saturday, which is very interesting. Also, joining us on the ones and twos, uh, the man, uh, the other man with the golden voice uh, in in the underground bunker somewhere in an undisclosed location where the government can't get to him. Uh, producer, editor, and third mic extraordinaire, Painter Sharpless. Painter, how are we doing? They're saying you just have to stop Brock Bowers. <laughs> it's just that simple. Stop the best tight end, and I would say the best player in college football. That's all I got to do. That's all I got to do down, down the stretch of that game, right? Um, yeah, Auburn Auburn dropping uh, this one, uh, 27-22, the Bulldogs. Another loss to Georgia, but, but fellas, this is a series that has been marked by Georgia just kind of kicking Auburn's teeth in for, for the better part of the last few years. Um, I wrote about it in the observations that, that went up Sunday morning. There were a lot of, hey, this is the first time since blank – that this has happened in an Auburn Georgia game on Saturday, which is progress. That is that is progress for sure for Auburn. Um, the fact that this team looked so out of it, especially on offense against Texas A&M a week earlier, and then turn around and play the number one team in the country, the two-time defending national champions, and hang in there all the way to the end, have a four-quarter game like we were talking about last week, it shows progress. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think Auburn particularly played very well. Um, and they hung in there and that's something you can look at it two different ways. One, you can look at it and say, well, Hey, if that's what Auburn's looking like without hitting what I think is 
could be the peak of this team and their performance, it's a good sign for the future. Number two, it's like, well, some of these recurring problems that aren't just going to be as easy as snapping your fingers and fixing um, that we did see on Saturday. I'm going to start with Painter and then Dan. Um, boys, general thoughts on the fact that Auburn did make this a four-quarter game and um, you know had a chance to, uh, down the stretch to um, tie. I think if they'd have scored a touchdown there in the fourth quarter, just the way the, the game was going late, that they could have gone for two and tried to go for the win, kind of like LSU did last year against Bama. Like That's kind of where the things were going. Like, but hey, tie game in the in the towards the end of the game, and you have a shot. Did, I don't think either. I don't think any of us on this on this podcast necessarily expected that. Nobody wants to spend a bunch of time talking about moral victories. I will say though, if you spent you know the majority of the week saying like I, I'd like to see them keep it competitive and show signs, like I think mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. You know, the, just yeah, like I, a little progress, given sort of how tough uh, things were a week prior. Yeah, I think this has the potential to be Auburn's best loss in a while in terms of what you can pull from it and the fact that they played as well as they did in these kind of circumstances to keep it competitive. Again, like I said, I don't think Auburn played particularly well. or They did do some things that were really, really good in this game. Uh, one of them being, um, you know, not turning the ball over until the very end, the really the last play of the game for you on offense, and Auburn only had one penalty the whole game. You needed to do some things like that to, to to hang there with Georgia. Dan, you were up in the press box with the general first thoughts on Auburn's loss to Georgia. It's it's a bit of a double-edged sword when you you lose close in a game where you were supposed to lose by multiple touchdowns because instead of instead of giving the coaches credit because the game didn't play out the way I think a lot of people expected it to, uh, it becomes second-guessing individual decisions that sure. could have been made uh, yeah. that, that maybe could have given you a chance to win the game outright. So it's, uh, you know, but but no, I agree. Like, as I, I know people might be tiring of moral victories and hearing about progress in games where Auburn doesn't actually win, uh, but this is one where, and I'm, what what we predict is not terribly relevant. I submit scores sure. to the Brian Matthews uh, pick'em every week. I had Auburn losing this game twenty seven nineteen, so I was oh wow. I was close, and I said you were pretty optimistic. Well, and I and I said competitive three quarters that Georgia pulls away uh, with the you know with with the depth advantage, and we had a commenter talk about the two thousand nine Iron Bowl. That, right? That's that's the game that I that came to mind immediately. And, after I, mean, I was texting. One. I was texting Scott Bagwell, who is superstitious and who I like to poke. Uh, I was texting Scott Bagwell throughout the game because we had a conversation on Friday's drive about yeah. the way this could play out, like the 09 Iron Bowl, a game all where Auburn almost shocked the world against a team with championship aspirations. And this game, I mean, the similarities are a little bit spooky. Justin, yeah, raced out to a big lead. Um, and then, you know, back and forth there in the second half and the, a late defining drive, some big plays from the from the favorite. They come out with a win um, for for clarification, Scott Bagwell, for those of you who aren't local here, uh, Scott is uh, Scott does the uh, radio for Auburn High uh, and has you know been been a voice in Auburn media uh and and sports for for quite some time now and, oh, a worthwhile twitter follow as well i would say for folks who care about auburn auburn university sports and auburn regional sports like he's a uh, he's a good guy nothing but love for scott bagwell and yeah and, and once had to deal with painter uh doing sideline reporting at auburn high games i mean <laughs> i'm sure painter i'm sure you uh you 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 made scott's job really easy 
Yeah, the 09 Iron Bowl. I mean, that's that's one that immediately comes to mind for sure. Uh, and this one, missed opportunities. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing where, where I say Auburn didn't play particularly well, I guess in a, in a good bit of areas and still made it close. That stands out to me. Another game where Auburn doesn't throw the ball, you know, well at all. And we saw that and we saw the how big of a difference it, it made down the stretch of the game. I think the EPA difference in this game through the air um, was, uh, let's see, 13, uh, 13102 was the passing EPA for for Georgia and Auburn was negative 9.97 for those of you who don't know EPA EPA basically assigns a a scoring value a worth to every play added up at the end and and you know it kind of can correlate usually to what um happens in a football game the fact that the gap was really 20 points worth of of difference between Auburn and Georgia in terms of the passing game was and it to be close was was surprising but the other thing obviously Third downs, and it's the story um, from this game. Free set afterwards. It's it's where the game was lost, uh, basically for Auburn. Uh, Georgia, eight of thirteen on third downs in this game. Auburn two of twelve. As a massive gap for this game to only come down to a touchdown when you went on the money downs, it was that big of a difference. Pretty surprising. And uh, again, we saw it in the A and M game last week. And uh, Dan, I think we saw it again today or uh, Saturday against against Georgia. Um, the biggest gap between Auburn and Georgia in this game was the passing game, and it's specifically the quarterback. Now, I don't think Peyton Thorne played poorly. You got some stuff out of Robbie Ashford, played a little bit more in the package there uh, Saturday, ran the ball well. Uh, but, I mean, a guy making his first start away from home uh, in Carson Beck played an excellent game, 70% passing, over 300 yards. Having Brock Bowers definitely helps a ton. Uh, and Auburn just didn't really have much of anything outside of it. I think they only had three kind of good downfield passing plays the whole game. Could have had more, could have had a couple more, but it's that gap. And it's just, it's hard to beat good teams when you don't have that pass. in 2023. It's hard to beat teams like that. And while Auburn's offense on the ground has played decently here these last few weeks, it is not 2013 Auburn. It is not just, it doesn't matter. We're going to run it and, and you can't stop it. That's just, that's not what this team is. And we saw that on third downs as well because Auburn missed on several third and shorts. And Brock Bowers deserves the attention that, that he's getting. He's got a, uh, I think he's got a bright future in football personally. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if anybody, I don't want <laughs> going to out know. on a limb there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really a hot take guy, but I I think Brock Bowers. I, I, yeah. I thought, I thought coming into the season, he was the best player in college football. I mean, just pure talent was like, that is when you have a tight end who is that much better than pretty much any other tight end that you're going to face. Like it's, it, it's, a, it's a, it's such a weapon. It's so hard to guard. It, it is. And, and that's, um, uh, but but I I want to be fair about the Auburn offense too because after the A and M game, uh, Peyton yeah. Thorne took a lot of heat. I think deservedly so. Uh, you know for for some of the struggles of the Auburn offense. I'm I'm not a I'm not a guy who points the finger at the quarterback. Understanding you know all the responsibility and all the pressure, but I thought Peyton Thorne deserved to have the finger pointed at him against A and M. And this game started with a lot of the same problems. It, it it did, although he was able to produce more on the ground. I mean, that run, yes. I thought that run early uh, helped give him some desk, like just just something positive needed to happen for Auburn offensively yeah. with Peyton Thorne on the field in the first couple of drives. And it did with that 61-yard run uh, in the first quarter. But I, I thought Peyton was 
considerably better through the air than he was against AM? Like is that is is that something that I, I mean had I know the numbers don't the numbers yeah. don't bear that out tremendously, but I thought a lot it felt like a, the, the accuracy took a step forward from from, from the Texas A and M game, even even if Auburn was you know was still lacking in in the uh, in the passing game overall, had a few had fewer kind of back breaking like oh man should have hit that miss now he had 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 some had some had some tough ones had some that probably could have been hauled in uh, by his receivers and some tough tough plays there could have definitely been better for him through the air got to get better there you got to tighten it up there were some plays like that that slant to Jay Fair on the last drive you got to have that you, you just you just have to have that some of the shots downfield they just need to be better with it again the free runner and the pressure when the other team brings more than you've got blockers for and there just doesn't seem to be kind of enough hot routes now I will say there were a couple times in this game where Thorne and he drew some DPIs on it as well where it we were talking about this last week against A&M like just get the ball out of your hand dude like like there's some times where it's just like go for it and just see what happens it's better than taking a sack it's better than taking a sack and uh, made some plays off of it Auburn's got to be better through the air though I mean it's just 85 yards like it's, it's just hard it's hard it is so hard to win that way when your quarterback's completing just a tick above 50% of his passes and then about a four yards per attempt, it's just, it's going to be really, really hard to win that way. I'm not saying Auburn's got to have uh, a, a line. I don't think they have to, I think with what they've got in the, the way this team's made up, they don't necessarily have to have the Carson Beck stat line um, to win games, I don't think, moving forward, but they got to be better than this. They've got to, they've got to hit triple digits. They got to get a lot more efficient and accurate through the air. I think Thorne was better. You're right, Dan. There were he was better through the air, not a ton, but he was better. Um, obviously, the ground game uh, worked out for him. It's just this off week they got to figure some things out. And again, handling pressure, some of those hot hot reads, some of the stuff where he held on to the ball too much, wasn't getting into the open guys. Thought he got better with that as the game went on, but still, I mean, just put yourself in some really bad situations. And I'm not saying that this is the case for Auburn because I don't want to take away the plays that he did make on offense on, on Saturday, but you don't want to go into a game against a, a against a really good team like Georgia or like some of the ones Auburn's going to face moving forward and feel like you're having to hide your quarterback and you're feeling like you're having to scheme around him. That's just – it's modern football that is just almost impossible to deal with. Is is there a chance that no matter who plays quarterback for Auburn this year, there's some of that where they're going to have to keep – they're going to have to okay. take into account that, you know, that there are strengths and weaknesses, sort of pronounced strengths and weaknesses of whoever – could play quarterback for Auburn on this team this year. So here's a quote from Freeze about that. He said, offensively, I think we're going to have to run the football in a lot of different ways and make it look different. We did some of that today. Then be able to complete the passes that we need to complete when they are open. We had some of those again today, but our identity has to stay balanced on offense. It's true. Um, you can't just run whenever you want. Um, Auburn does not have the line for it. They don't have the backs for it. Honestly, it, it's just you don't see those kind of teams as much anymore. You have to be able to throw the ball to be balanced. Auburn, um, wasn't, Auburn a, wasn't Auburn wasn't a good first down running team today. And, and I don't all, know. I don't know if all. they've been a good three yards of carry on, on first down. That's just not what you need at all. And they threw the ball on first downs decently at times. But yeah, like it, it's not as simple as just run the ball more. That's what's working. Um, Auburn had a, quite a bit of runs in this game that were stopped or stuffed in the backfield. Like Georgia had a had a good number of, of tackles for loss and plays and went for no game. And like we said, third and shorts, fourth and shorts a couple times did not convert. Like 
this is not a dominant offensive line. This is not a running back room that just can reel off six, seven, eight yards at a time. This is not 2013 Auburn. This is not, I mean, it's just, the game's different now, but also like this, this, this scheme and this offense uh, is, is more built uh, to be balanced. And especially when you play a team like Georgia, like when you played a team like AM last week, if they know that you're not a threat to, to, to throw the ball, they'll just load up and, and, and really, really hurt you. Um, good news though for Auburn is they did enough, a little bit enough more in the passing game, ran more with their quarterbacks to keep them honest, opened some things up, and uh, got to move the ball a little bit on the ground. On say most most rushing yards uh, George has given up in uh, I think it's five years. The, the thirteen Auburn offense was such a lightning strike of a of a team and out of a season, and we've never seen an offense like that again. Yeah, and and I think that people have this idea like all you got to do is emulate that, and it's like you know. They had an eighteen hundred yard rusher at running back, and a, and another guy who was as perfect for that offense as any player I've ever seen. To to suggest that it's you know as simple as you know they have those at the grocery store, like that's not that's not the way it works. And I wonder people are going to be paying attention to quarterback on the off week and whether or not Auburn is is thinking about kicking the tires on anyone else. I would think Justin that there could be personnel evaluations all over the mm -hmm. offense. Sure. Like re receiver, I don't know who's – I mean, the Javarius Johnson is on milk cartons right now. I don't know if it's – health. I would assume it's health-related, although they did play him. He did, not, he, did, he, did not, he did not dress out in this game. Didn't, yeah, did not dress. He did play in the game uh, two weeks ago when, when Keontae got hurt. They went to him on the punt returns, but his – But he didn't play on offense. Yeah, his health has been sort of a question all year. And then at receiver – I mean, I, I don't know, and I, I don't want to call out any individual here, but I don't I don't know if any receiver, save for maybe Jay Fair, can look at the season they've had thus far right. and feel like they're gonna be a big part of the offense yeah. going into next season. Like this is a this is a huge moment for any receiver that Step sees up. themselves as a as a you know, as a contributor next year, because the way things are going now, they're gonna have to hit the portal as hard as they did on top of recruiting freshmen and bringing them in. I mean, that that's a position where, and quarterback could be the same way, but receiver is a spot. I mean, Hugh Freeze has been talking about that position yeah. since he was hired. And you look at what he did at Ole Miss. There's, you know, it, it seems like you need, you need superstars at you wide out the to, outside. Ma to, to make this work. And the good news for Auburn is, and we'll talk about this later, but, the good news for Auburn is, is they have a recruiting class that they like at wide receiver, and it could get bigger. Uh, Perry Thompson is a guy that I think has some right away kind of ability to him, and, and you know he might not be the only one in that group. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they've got about it's you know really the passing game right now is just Valdo and a lot of quick stuff. Um, and and, and Valdo had a good game uh, again uh, on 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 Saturday. He's just been their most consistent option. Um, the ability to run the ball more effectively was good in this game because Georgia is a very, very good run defense. And knowing that Peyton Thorne can keep defenses honest, it doesn't just have to be, oh, the running game will be opened up more with um, Robbie Ashford in the game. Now, I did ask for he's like, hey, I, and, and, and again, like <laughs> this is a question where I asked him this and I could see him like I could see him like kind of like. I don't want to say get defensive plotting, plotting to have you uh, harmed in some yeah. way. No, but it's like when I started, I was like, Hey, like you, like you said that you didn't want to switch out quarterbacks very often. So you did it in this game 
and it was more effective. And I think when I said what it was more effective, you know, he kind of, kind of, you know, you know, uh, made sure the made sure the guards weren't going to come get me. But you know, I, I think, I think it was a thing where it was like they were able to kind of bounce back and forth of that and and find some success there. But yeah, you just got to You got to be able to throw the ball more. The fact that you know you've had two games now, and the first one you didn't have much of a chance at all. Um, you know, on offense, you didn't do much of anything. The A and M game, the gap between your quarterback play was huge, and Georgia it was in this one. Now it was only a seven point game, but the gap was very significant. Um, you know the the difference in passing games in this game, um, was a big reason why, uh, you know, a Georgia was able to pull it out, but like it could have been it could have been a lot worse. Now Auburn did a really good job of keeping. I mean, Georgia only had three point six yards per carry. Now let's go back to what we talked about with. Jordan and Ben last week, they were like, Hey, this running game is still a work in progress. Like they have, they've not been healthy and Auburn's run defense has, has stepped up to the plate. Like they've done a pretty good job um, outside of that big run that AM had uh, last week. Um, they've done a really good job against quality competition. Slowing down Jay Knott was big uh, in the Cal game. Obviously they did a really good job with that. Um, but yeah, those third downs, those are going to haunt you. And some of it is, Hey, Brock Bowers is going to make a play. And some of it was Auburn was banged up and wearing down, especially in that second half. But then some of it was just like, yeah, they just out executed you. They had better talent than you, but they also they out executed you. And like, you need to tighten up on some things and fix some of that stuff because this defense, I thought this defense, Painter, I don't know what you kind of thought you got. But like, this is a defense that can gape Auburn in a lot of games. They're not perfect, but like, they're they're making some plays, and you just feel like if they tighten up on a couple things. They could be the key to winning some significant SEC games down the stretch of the year, um, and I think a, I I think you can come away from this game on the defensive side being like, hey, this this group this crew ain't perfect, but they played hard and they did what you needed to do to keep you in the game. They really do seem like the kind of group that you uh, you envision when you talk about a, a unit that's not as talented as some of the teams that's playing, but. I don't know. There's there's some encouragement all around, but the defense certainly seems like it's in a spot, even against good offenses, to keep them, uh, sort of keep them in games. the The fact that they're forcing turnovers and scoring off of those turnovers is big. You know, Auburn scoring their two touchdowns of this game directly off of Georgia turnovers. That's big. You got to have that. We talked about this. Like that's something you needed in this game. They did. Jalen Simpson continues to kind of play some ball out of his mind. Um, you know, I, I I am no expert on coverages. I'm no expert on defenses. I feel like I know offense a little bit better than I do defense on an X's and O's standpoint. Be interested to see just kind of what went wrong and trying to slow down Bowers. I will say this, for all of the talk of like Auburn this season, like rebuilding and reloading and all this, that secondary brought back a lot of good talent. And some of those guys are going to be playing in the NFL and they showed up today. Now, I know, I don't know who all is responsible for Bowers going nuts in the, in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think that's probably one of those things where you share some blame, but I mean, Lab McConkey had a, had, had a few catches, but like Georgia's receivers were not, they did not kind of go off in this game. And I think that's a testament to DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, saw some good plays with Karen Lee as well. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, that's something you can lean on because you're going to play some teams here, especially LSU coming up here in a couple of weeks where they've got some, they got some like capital S capital P star power at wide receiver. Yeah, and I, I did not like. It, it felt like we were focused so much on the offense for Auburn going into this game, 
like it was vital for the Auburn defense to play well early because if Georgia had been able to gain the confidence of, yeah, they're finishing a couple drives with points, I, I just think it would have, you know, the, the risk of that pressure on top of everything else for the Auburn offense, I think it would have been a really tough scene. And, and you know, the first quarter, I don't know if you've mentioned this yet, like that was about as good a first quarter as Auburn could have possibly asked for, right? Well, here's I mean, the I thing. Mean, three, three here's Three and out to start the game. Yeah, like it looked like like the three and out to start the game. You're like, oh dear, this could be this this could get this could get kind of out of hand early because like Auburn has just struggled in the first quarter. They hadn't, bro. They had not scored a a touchdown in the first quarter in years against Georgia, and it just felt like you know, okay, can they do it at all? Yeah, my understanding is that well, like Kenny Irons was the last person to score. A it was a booby. The- it was a booby Whitlow jump pass. <laughs> It's that game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how long ago it's uh, it, it's been. And that was 2018. And, and and I know there's there's more. I mean, there's a lot more protein to get into on on the defense. Two quick things offensively before we like sort of totally pivot. Sure. Yeah, One, yeah, um, just in general, like did, did Hugh Freeze have anything to say about how the offensive line performed? I know the high snaps were an issue. Yeah. That fourth and one, that fourth and one with a high snap, it, it, it broke the play really. Now you consider and say, Taking Peyton Thorne, putting Peyton Thorne back in the game on third and one, fourth and one, the personnel they use there, you know, people are going to point to it. Better snaps, you probably run that play right. I mean, it just gets the timing better. Just got to execute. You can't have those high snaps. Now, they weren't as much of a problem, I think, later in the game. They did run that four tight end set. Um, I don't think Auburn failing on that fourth, third and one and fourth and one is as simple as, well, they took out Robbie. Peyton did move the ball on the ground, running, even converted, I believe, a fourth and fourth and two uh, with his legs at one point in the game. Um, so I don't want to say like, you know, you're, you're because I, I got a lot of that on Saturday and saw a lot of that from fans to be like, why did they take Robbie out there? And it's a, they didn't fail. I don't think they did. They failed on third and one and fourth and one on that drive because, you know, this is late in the second quarter because they put, uh, you know, Peyton Thorne in the game. I think they failed because they didn't execute the plays that they were called. And that's just, I mean, you got to be better there in those situations. And that's, Outside of that, though, I thought the offensive line didn't do do a bad job. Um, I thought Auburn did a better job of kind of identifying the pressure and stuff like that from George as the game went on. Yeah, you know, I, I actually kind of liked putting Peyton back in the game there. I wasn't crazy about the play call on third and one. I feel like you know one of the things with Peyton not there very is that, imaginative third and fourth, uh, third down and short calls, fourth and short calls, which you, went a long way into into the big gap. I mean, Auburn was just not very good at all if on it's, third and short in this game. I mean, again, I'm I'm not qualified at all to to give suggestions, but if if it's four down territory. Maybe you throw the ball in third and one. Maybe it's a play action situation there to, to give yourself. I mean, can't take a sack, obviously, because that derails things, but maybe the defense is thinking you're running too. Sure. And that's that's where you can uh although I did I did love seeing four tight ends and Jarquez. I believe you could you could that, have all that five heavy set, that train five, set. I want all five scholarship tight ends blocking for a quarterback. That's that's the that's the dream. Really, you could, you know, swap out. I think it was everyone but from, right? It was the four tight ends except for they had they they had from Riley and, 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 yeah they had Riley which which I thought was okay. an interesting yeah Riley has been in well. that four Riley has been in that four tight end set and I'm not I'm not sure we've mentioned Brian Batie who I thought oh, man I thought from him ma- made an argument no disrespect to Jarquez Hunter I yeah. I think Brian Batie is making the argument that that he is the uh, he is the running back on the team at the moment who deserves to touch the ball the most. Uh, if not, he's he's you know arguing for. I think I think he's making a case for a larger share of of the offense than we've had thus far. I, I thought Brian Batie was really impressive against a defense that you know 
is is as challenging to a running back as any in college football. Um, and this is partly because like Auburn had had third and short and fourth and short stops that Jarquez had, but uh, EPA uh, definitely Brian Batia over Jarquez Hunter in this game uh, for sure. His success rate uh, was higher as well. He's 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 catching the ball out of the backfield. He ran hard and, and finishing finishing his runs hard. I'm telling you, you know, I asked him about that after the game, and he was like, I know people underestimate. I know they think I'm too small to do that, but like, he feels like between the tackles, he can get that seam. He's got a low center of gravity. He's, he did a good job finishing his runs. Um, you know, I thought, I mean, where would Auburn be these last few weeks without Brian Batee? You know, he is, he has done a, done a great work. Not saying Jarquez Hunter's terrible by any means. He had some good runs, had that, I mean, bowled over that guy for that touchdown. Great run from him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like when you, when he's not doing like the, he's not putting up like Tank Bigsby numbers right now. Having Batie is a, is a, is a really big is a really big weapon. Um, they got to build around it, and like and like Free said, like they're gonna. This is still gonna be a run heavy offense, but you got to be able to throw the ball enough to keep defenses honest and, and be balanced. And I think that's the situation that Auburn's facing right now that they've got to adapt to and they got to adjust to it. Um, and you got to find some answers. Got to find some answers at wide receiver. Got to do a better job with your quarterbacks, get the ball out of their hands in certain situations. But they did enough on offense, took advantage of some drives that they needed to take advantage of um, to keep them in the game. Um, could have done more. Those those red zone, you know, those, the, the, the that turnover on downs late in the late in the first half. That's that's going to stick around for a while. And obviously, if you Obviously, you know, if you just tacked on three there, in the end, it wouldn't have, you know, won you the game, but could have changed kind of the flow of it. Um, definitely some things they got, they wish they had back. Um, and so it's not all on the quarterback making mistakes, but the runs, they missed some there. Offensive line had some breakdowns at times. It's everybody involved. And again, I think if you run the ball this much and this effectively on Georgia, you can definitely take that as a positive um, and build off of that. But they got to figure out some ways to to get the get the thing going on offense. Now, okay, so real quick, um, CBS the broadcast said that Freeze was calling plays. That was not the sense I got during the game and after the game. Um, after the game, Brian Batiste said, "Yeah, uh, Montgomery was calling plays, and you know, still same as usual." Free said when asked about kind of the situation this week with him and Montgomery, he said, "I was a lot more involved in the game planning." Um, I signed off on every play call on the sheet, all that stuff. Uh, I think Petit said something along the lines of like, hey, he came in and called some plays at times, but like, you know, it's still, still, you know, Monty's running the show. Um, Freeze being more involved in this offense and Auburn being better, I think that's a positive sign. I think that's a positive development. Um, again, I still don't think this is like controversial, like, oh, who's the, who's the play caller? What's, you know, are they panicking? Are they going to, you know, change some things up? I do think Freeze is going to be more involved with the offense moving forward. And I think he's going to have to be. Um, you know, they got to put their heads together and and come up with better plans moving forward. I didn't think the game plan in this game was bad at all. Obviously, you had a chance to beat Georgia. It's a good, good, you know, get. You managed to do a lot without much of a passing game, and that, you know, some good calls, some good, some good moments there, but some decisions. Sorry, some decisions they made, some personnel moves, stuff like that. Definitely got to get better. And so you get this off week coming up. You got to tighten up on a lot. Um, so do you subscribe to the idea that it's too hard 
for a head coach who has to recruit the way people expect Hugh Freeze to recruit to be so involved in the game plan and game day, like play calling yeah. stuff that, that he's actually calling the plays on offense? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's very hard to be the recruiter that you feel like you have to be as a head coach and, and freeze the situation. Um, he said, he even said it this week. He's like, he said on Tiger Talk on Thursday, he's like, I, I took some recruiting time away th- this week, stuff that I could have been recruiting because I felt like we needed to get a better plan on offense and I needed to help out there. I mean, that's significant. Um, and so we will see. We'll talk recruiting here in a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I thought you can do more. And I don't think it's going to come into detriment of like, oh, Auburn's not going to have a good recruiting class because of it. Uh, but, you know, definitely, I think a game where you saw him, like, hey, let's go back to, you know, week two. They have to tighten some stuff up on defense from the cow, from the UMass game in a cow. Free says, hey, I had to put, I had to get more involved. I was in more of the meetings. I've made a bigger emphasis. Auburn comes out and plays a good defensive game. You know, the huge reason why they won that game because of the defense against Cal. You play better on offense this week when he gets more involved. I think that's that's a good sign. Uh, but you know, you can't overload him too much, I don't think. And you don't want to take away from what you can do in recruiting. Uh before we move on a little bit more on the defense, Painter, you got anything on the anything else on, on offense you want to take? All right. Let's ta- let's do some let's take care of some business real quick. Um hi. If you like the show and you want more of it. Uh, subscribe to the Auburn Observer, $60 a month or $60 a year. You get all of the newsletters uh, that are right. So our observations that we talked about, film rooms. Uh, I'll have some sort of film room adjacent thing coming out later this week. Might not be on Monday, but basketball. Got a lot of a ton of basketball um, last week in the uh, in the stretch four. Got more coming this upcoming week. Basketball practice back underway real quick. Um, Thursday. So let's, let's go ahead and sort this out. Thursday, uh, our next podcast, our premium podcast, it's an annual tradition here at the Observer. When Auburn has an off week, we take that premium uh, podcast episode where you know we would be previewing a football game. Where we we don't have a football game to preview this week. That's going to be nothing but basketball. We're going to talk nothing but hoops uh, for our next premium podcast. Um, so the three of us talking talking Auburn basketball. It's our nothing but net podcast that'll come out on Thursday. So if you're interested in that. Subscribe to the Observer. You get all the stuff that we've got going on this week as well. We'll tell you this as well. No game next week for us to talk about in terms of the recap. So this feed will not have an episode next Sunday. Okay. Our next podcast, our next two podcasts will be behind the paywall. It'll be our our basketball podcast on this Thursday. And then the next Thursday will be the preview of the LSU game. Right. So the next time you will get a podcast on this free feed will be two weeks from now after Auburn plays LSU. So if you want the podcast, it's a great time to sign up, great time to subscribe. You get the next couple um through uh through the uh through the paywall. So AuburnObserver.com, six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year, sign up, get all the pods, get all the all the newsletters. Yes, Dan. And and it's well it's very important that people don't confuse the nothing but net podcast with our upcoming podcast, nothing but the net, where we talk about the nineteen ninety five Sandra Bullock movie. No the net you know, no, she's pick a computer. gimmick and stick to stick to one year from night from the 1990s where we're okay. talking about film. Okay, with well, another one, that podcast is going to be nuts. <laughs> I'm re- really, really looking forward to that. Um, uh, okay, so while we're also at it, uh, Painter, tell the folks, uh, at home how they can help us out before Dan derails us again. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, yes, please leave us five stars. A review, a line or two is great, and uh, yeah, give us a follow. We appreciate you subscribing to the show. 
rate, review, subscribe. It helps us out a ton. Also, talk to you about our friends from Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. A little Homefield magic for Auburn this weekend. They played better against against Georgia in a weekend where they dropped some new Homefield gear. Um, so uh, go to homefieldapparel.com uh, and you can get all the new stuff from Auburn. It looks like they had a drop of, I want to say, three new shirts uh, uh, this weekend. A little mini drop. Yeah, there is a new uh, War Eagle shirt. It's like a cream ringer shirt with an eagle and a drawing of Jordan Hare Stadium, uh, which is pretty cool. There's a Tumors Corner shirt on a nice uh, navy, a Heather Navy shirt, uh, and then a Trackham Tigers nice cream long sleeve tee uh, with the eagle and a tiger mascot uh, together. Pretty cool design as well. You get a lot of other cool Auburn stuff there. We're talking football, basketball. Baseball designs, general Auburn designs, um, the softest T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, quarter zips, hats, joggers that money can buy, homefieldapparel.com. You can also get the official Auburn Observer T-shirt. Go to Auburn. Uh, just go to homefieldapparel.com, search Auburn Observer, and buy the Observer shirt. While you're there, tell, tell them the Observer sent you 15% off your first order when you use the promo code Observer23 at checkout. Observer23, that's homefieldapparel.com. Thanks to the gang. Uh, for continuing to support our show and uh, dropping uh, dropping some new stuff for Auburn fans. I know people are looking forward to that here this weekend. All right, let's go back to defense real quick because I also want to talk special teams um, defensively, forcing the turnovers. I mean, they did a lot of that stuff that you like really needed in this game. Definitely can be better. That's the thing about this defense that I think is – I think it's encouraging if you're an Auburn fan, uh, especially like uh, I hope this is not too much of a stretch of a take here um, to give. But here's the thing. This Auburn offense and their defense, this Auburn team's got a lot of new guys, a lot of newcomers, people making a step up as transfers. It hasn't really clicked in all areas for the offense yet. It hadn't been perfect on defense, but the defense has played pretty well uh, so far this year. And I think the performance they had against Georgia while it faded down the stretch, while the depth and some injuries and things banged banged up, got some things. Some guys got banged up, really hurt them. And Brock Bowers did Brock Bowers things. Carson Beck played well, and they got the ball out of Georgia. Did a really good job of getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick. The, that was something that a couple of defensive players said. Yeah, we weren't really expecting them to do quick game a ton. That's not their strength. Um, Auburn had to adjust to that. Yes, they can be making more plays with their front. Yes, they can do a better job of 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 you know locking down the like guys like Brock Bowers are trying to down the stretch. Yes, they can get off field better on third. They're gonna have a lot to work on from this game. But defense is playing solid ball, and I think the defense has been able to kind of be further ahead of the offense in terms of gelling these guys together early. You know, second half of the season and some change with that with that extra game, the final seven games. Maybe that's hope that the de- that the offense can figure some things out because I think. The defense being able to click as quickly as they have, I think, is 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 pretty remarkable. Yeah, have they been perfect? No. Yeah, they're better coverages, better decisions you could have played down the stretch. Absolutely. Freeze was the first one to admit that. But um I thought I I I continue to think the defense is is playing well enough to give you chances to win SEC games, which is what you want in the year one from this crew. I think folks are gonna they're gonna focus on the uh, the Brock Bowers plays and, and understandably so because it was so important for Georgia in that fourth quarter. People might wonder, you know, could Auburn could Auburn have done different things coverage wise to try Absolutely. to stop they Brock Bowers? And, and I and I think that's a fair question. I you know conceding how how great of a player Brock Bowers is. The thing that I wondered about defensively 
is um, and it's it's probably not an it's it's it. I feel like it might be similar to wide receiver in that this is a question where multiple recruiting classes from now will will have a better answer than we'll get this sure. year. But I wonder if the pass rush is another one of these things where they did all they could. I mean, Auburn did not have a scholarship edge, right? Like if you think about, yeah. I mean, no, it's a completely brand new position. I mean, they did all they could to. Uh, to find the best available players and and bring them in, and I think that you know, guys like McLeod and McAllister have been productive at times. But both of them made big plays in this game. But but Auburn's lack of a consistent pass rush, I think, is something yeah. that is as pressing of a need uh, from a personnel standpoint as receiver and quarterback are going into this offseason. Where that that's something mm-hmm. where I mean, you need to be in the mix for guys with NFL ceilings coming out of high school. And yep. when one of those guys slips into the portal, I mean, you you need to be first in line because that's that's something that I think this defense everything becomes easier if you can yes. if you can get to the quarterback a little bit more without having to strain yourself. And that's something Auburn right now, when you know, when they want to get to the quarterback, feels like they got to really send the heat. Yeah, that yeah, not being able to pressure and it's just four. I mean, like not that's the thing. Like you, you've seen some things with the Ron Roberts defense, where it's like you should be able to get some pressure with four. It doesn't have to be just the same four, right? You know, you can you can mix and match some. And McLeod had some big plays in this game. I'll tell you this: Auburn has needed guys to step up on that defensive front. Marcus Harris had an incredible. This is probably one of the best games of Marcus Harris's career at Auburn. I thought, I thought him. You know, Puckett had that had that pass breakup. You know, and I think it, it got it got rough on him at times. It looked like, from my vantage point, there in the second half, trying trying to slow down Bowers and those guys. But I thought Auburn's senior defenders, guys that had hadn't come close to beating Georgia at any point in their careers, did a really good job in this one. And uh, you need more, you need more, you need more of that depth. But uh, they 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 held up really well, I thought, in this game at times. And and that that defensive front. Yeah, you're right, because it felt like, especially in the second half, like when Auburn sent heat, Georgia threw right behind it and, and knew where to attack. And that when Auburn sat back, um, it was it wasn't it wasn't get, they weren't getting home quick enough, which allowed guys like Brock Bowers to get open, like McConkey to get open, like guys that are are killers. I mean, McConkey, I know, wasn't a hundred percent. He has just had Auburn's number his whole career, it feels like. Uh, there and Ra, and, and Ra, Ra Thomas, Ra, Ra Thomas also Ra, Ra Thomas had a good game, and, and he's he's somebody who you know when he was at Mississippi State, he he was an Auburn okay. killer too. Hey, uh, here's the thing i I don't want to pick on I don't want to pick on this roster and these guys too much, but you're going back to the wide receivers. You know, Georgia has Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett, like two established SEC wide receivers, come in and help them out. Auburn's transfer portal guys are. Dudes who are making steps up, you know, for the most part. And then, you know, we haven't seen a ton of Caleb Burton to this point. Um, it is seeming like it's going to be another year for him uh, before you see him play more. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe something in the second half. Maybe he can, maybe this off week could be good for him as well. But it's a big difference. Not only is that gap, I mean, Nathan King, our buddy, had that story about like lining up like the, the recruiting rankings of, of Auburn's roster and Georgia's roster. G- I don't know if y'all saw this. Georgia has 11 offensive linemen that are higher rated than Auburn's highest rated offensive linemen. 11? Like, more than two whole lines? But some of that is in the wide receiver as well. And again, I thought Auburn, the secondary of Auburn, 
did a good job of limiting their receivers, you know, for the most part. The guys made plays at times. But it's like that Georgia team, it's like, okay, well, they've had top, you know, top three recruiting classes pretty much each of the last five years. Uh, and, uh, oh, also, they're just going to go pick now the best of the best in the portal. Like, like you know, I remember Kirby winning that national title and, like, sticking his chest out and being like, ah, no transfers. We did it without transfers. And it's like the other time we're like, oh, we'll take transfers if you'll let us have them. Like, you know, we'll – I mean, Bama was kind of the same way for a little while too, but it just shows the gap. It shows the difference, right? Um, and, and also Carson Beck, I mean – I do wonder, I was talking to a Georgia beat writer before the game about this, is like, I do wonder like how much Beck is just going to be, I don't want to, uh, he played really, really well in this game, and I've been impressed with him this season, like a bridge to those five stars they got coming in, like the Ryola and, and those guys, but um, it's just, it's just, a, it's a gap, right? You know, and, and, and you held up for a while. Uh, Painter, I think, I think, uh, I think Dave said it best in the fourth quarter. I think sometime early in the third quarter, he tweeted something along the lines of like, this is the part of the program where Georgia shows how talented and deep they are compared to Auburn. And it's just, you saw that, you saw that in this game. And in the end it was like, yeah, they've got this freak show tight end, uh, that is one of the best that's, that's kind of come through the position in a while. Um, and Auburn didn't, and they just didn't have a ton of answers for him and it was harder and harder. Uh, to kind of get through it, but you know, they're they're going to be building something here and progress. You know, this is progress. This is something you can point to. I think ultimately this year for Auburn, like you've had back to back losing seasons. I did the mailbag on Friday. Is this a year zero? What does that mean for Auburn and all that? Just get to a bowl game. That's progress. Have a winning season. That's progress in this year. It's not a win, but in the meantime. You got you show progress in this game because a team that has just beaten the tar out of you really for the last several years. Again, like you said, Painter, earlier, nobody wants to talk about moral, moral victories too much. But this team has beaten the tar out of you for the last few years. They've won back to back national titles. They're flawed. They're not invincible this year, I don't think. Like it's gonna be it'd be something if Georgia wins it again because they're, you know, they've got some issues they gotta work out. But you showed progress on Saturday by playing a four-quarter game against Georgia. And that's not going to make anybody feel better in the moment. There was a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of emotion. Those guys coming off the field because they thought they had them and they should have had them, someone probably felt like. But, Painter, we, I mean, we've just been talking like this This is progress. Like this is, this is something you can point to and say, okay, Auburn might be heading in the right direction. So even though it's a loss, and again, like I said, like they could have played a lot better in this game. Like what did you say to me when we were coming out? Like they left a lot of meat on the bone there for eh, to, to for this game to only be defined, you know, divided by seven points. I think Dan hit on it nicely, which is like the problem for the coaching staff is that they had the audacity to to you know, and the players too. The players deserve plenty of credit for getting in a position to make it close. And um, you know, if they had just like lost by thirteen casually, I you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't, the mistakes I don't, don't know get if that as would magnified. be reviewed the same way. If this had been twenty-seven six when the fourth quarter started, and Auburn puts two touchdowns on the board late when Georgia's playing their, you know, the their their the the bottom of the roster, like that that's a different twenty-seven twenty than what we got here, which was I mean, Auburn when, when was Auburn's latest lead? In, in the football game. Do you know it? Do you know it off the top of your head? I mean, I think it would be, I mean, but Auburn led this game. 
I mean, pretty pretty late into the uh, in, into the proceedings against a team that uh, hasn't. Georgia Georgia tied the game up uh, with a minute three left in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, so so for Auburn to have a late second half lead against a team, I mean, the last time Georgia lost a regular season game, Malzahn was the coach here, right? Like, I mean, so so what you know what were yeah, like in twenty nineteen, Auburn lost by that by a touchdown, that weird game. The fact Auburn was down twenty one nothing. Heading into the fourth quarter of that game, like they out of nowhere were just like, oh, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make Georgia sweat here. Like this, it had been since 2017 since Auburn had really just kind of taken it to Georgia like this. The missed opportunities, I think, not converting third and shorts and and fourth and shorts, you know, feel like oh, yeah. you could have yeah. could have kept the drive going. The other missed opportunity, and this isn't any individual player's fault, I don't think, but it's like, I mean, I mean, the fumbles weren't fumbles, right? You get your hopes up and they review them, and it's like those weren't fumbles. Those are so bad. No, they weren't. Oh even my close. gosh, what were they looking at? I mean, like I always say, we need to get rid of instant replay. And just let those let those fumbles. Stick. Well, how about how about how about one of Peyton Thorne's best throws of the day coming on a play where he ran across the line? I you know and and where we are at the press box, like that's tougher to tell. But I I couldn't, thought was, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell until I, I saw it on the on, on the TV. Yeah, I, I thought he was over too. And the uh, the near interception by Cam Riley. Would oh also be, man, because that would have been a monster moment. And that was was that the McLeod hit? Yes, uh, pop, pops the ball up and and Cam Riley nearly comes yep. down with it. Yeah. No, it would have been huge, and if I remember correctly, that is it's a play in a tie game. For some reason, I thought that was Auburn up seven, and and maybe the interception would have given up. Maybe I'm confusing that with a fumble. There was a time when Auburn was up seven in the second half, and it thought and and we thought, oh, maybe. No, nope. yeah, you're right, Dan. Ball. You're right, Dan. That was that was first and ten on the Georgia thirty-seven, and they end up scoring on that drive. I mean, a turnover, a turnover in the second half with Auburn up seven would have changed this football game. Now, I don't sure. know. I don't. I don't know exactly. You know what? You know how, how different we're talking. But I mean, Georgia had would have been near midfield. Yeah, I mean, it would have. It would have been a. It would have given a different complexion to the second half. All right. So let's talk about big picture wise. Um, like I said, it is progress. It is something you can build on if you're Auburn. They have got a lot of stuff to work on from this game. I think there are some recurring problems that could prevent this team from like winning uh some significant games moving forward like just because you play better against georgia doesn't mean all your problems are fixed and i think this team will be the first one to tell you that big picture wise though um talk to talk to some folks after the game um there were roughly uh more than 100 uh recruits at the, at this game that like legit offer guys um for auburn like the, like not just guys who were just there um, uh, a handful of guys on, on OVs, uh, it was a pretty big deal. Um, a lot of unofficial visits. We talked about this when you have such a big recruiting weekend and freeze thought about all the stuff they did this week and this weekend to get guys on campus. Don't get blown out. Have these guys there in the fourth quarter, have these guys, you know, staying around and wanting to be a part of wanting to be a part of that atmosphere. I thought the crowd was, was really good in this game. Um, you know, to get that vibe and, and kind of catch it like that was important so that is a that is a silver lining that's another moral victory again you don't want to you don't want to overload on those because you know you only play 12 or 13 Saturdays a year and, and you want to win as many of those as you can these are these are very important um, but I was talking to I was talking to our buddy Christian Clemente after the game rode on the rode on the golf cart with him back to the parking lot after the game and I was asking kind of hey recruiting just kind of general what's going on 
And he said like there, he heard from several players and several big name guys that Auburn had there. And the word was kind of, the sense was kind of like I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like a lot of guys watch that game and said, yeah, they just ran out of gas. They ran out of depth in the fourth quarter. Um, I can help change that if I come here. Like I like that. They're telling me I can help be the difference. I can help you win these games. I can help you close the gap with Georgia. That's the message you want to send in a game like this, right? More so than like, we've got all of our stuff figured out and uh, come, come, come join the machine. Like, no, 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 no. Auburn is in the early process of building the machine that they hope they can get to. Um, And there's a freeze quote in here that I want to read uh, that I think kind of sums it up here about the, about the recruiting. Uh, Here you go. Quote, the message is clear. Come help us build it. We can do it. It doesn't take long. We just need people that buy, buy into coming and being a part of the Auburn culture, the Auburn family. Our fans are incredible today. I think it's exciting to play here, and I think that's attractive to a lot of recruits. There are a ton here today who can help us feel like we have the same rosters as some of the others in, in our league are playing. It's a process. It's a process. They did they did show that they've made progress, but it's going to be recruiting that's going to ultimately make you a better team and a more likely team to hang with teams like Georgia long-term. And this is one of the reasons why when Auburn was looking for a coach, people thought Hugh Freeze would be a good selection because he's taken an SEC program that needed talent at key positions, and he's gone and he's recruited those positions before. They weren't world beaters at Ole Miss in year one for Hugh Freeze. They got blown out a couple of times. We talked about it after the A&M game. There was a 66-31 loss in there in year one uh, for Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss, and he was still able to sell that on the recruiting trail to guys that you know, maybe weren't thinking about going to Ole Miss, uh, that, that they could be part of something different and something special. And on the point about the fan base, and I'm not a, I'm not, oh, I'm going to kiss up to the fans because the fans, you know, like that's not, that's not, but, but in this case, the Auburn fan base has been sensational in that stadium for three games. Yep. Uh, not a soul was out of that state. I mean, that place was at capacity with three minutes left in the football game, right? I mean, this this place was yeah. was rocking throughout. That's a carryover also. You think about the job that Cadillac Williams, the interim staff, did that AM game last year. It has just kind of kept going from there. I mean, Auburn has put on some shows. Uh, their next home game is against Ole Miss. Boy, that's going to be a weird um, wild game there in, in, uh, in, in a few weeks. Um, we could LSU. not play. We cannot have that game next week. We would need some time. Yeah. To sort of well, get ready you don't for... need to play LSU next week. I mean, you got to figure out some things on offense where you play before you play LSU. I mean, LSU is just in shootout mode right now, and that is that is tough to play because I I don't want to sit here and say LSU is a better team than Georgia. I won't even say LSU is a better is a tougher matchup than Georgia, but like a team that is confident in putting up points on the board right now against this Auburn team is a little different than a Georgia team as good as they are, as talented as they are. Georgia's been slow starting on offense, and and a lot of the stuff we talked about with Ben and Jordan uh, last week kind of played out on Saturday. LSU, the best offense Auburn will have seen thus far when when they go to Tiger State. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's the new challenge for for this Auburn team is that I mean you've seen some really talented teams, great lines of scrimmage, uh, but n- now you're now you're facing off. And the good news is really explosive uh, offense. And the good news is it's in LSU. It's in Tiger Stadium, a place that's just naturally easy to hang out and and, and compete. Auburn has an active win streak in Tiger in Tiger Stadium right now. <laughs> yes, so yes, count it, put it on the board. 
Um, special teams. I wanted to mention special teams real quick before we went. Um, you need your special teams to come through in that game. Outside of the shorter kickoff that Georgia returned pretty well. I mean, really good game. I thought Oscar Chapman hit some bombs in this game. Um, the 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 punt average looks funnier with that that seventy one yarder, seventy three yarder that he hit late in the game, but uh, or late in the first half, but um, several pinned inside the twenty. Um, just did a great job punting the ball in this one. Needed it. You needed it. Um, now Georgia erased some of that field position disadvantage at times, but I thought Auburn. It, Auburn's defense is more of a weapon, especially against the run game when you're pinning guys back as deep as they did. Um, Alex McPherson. I mean, it's a shorter field goal for McPherson standards, but that's a pressure kick for a young kicker to hit in in that situation. Like, wasn't automatic there uh, at all, but did some of that. Didn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, I didn't see in the return game or anything like that. I think Brian Matee had a couple of good ones there. Um, you're going to need that, man. Like, hidden yardage. This game, one of the big reasons why the score was as close as it was despite the fact that some of the numbers were so lopsided. Uh, Auburn forced turnovers and took advantage of field, good field position when they got it. And special teams, there. I'll say this, there's going to be a game this year where Auburn is going to need special teams plays to win. And like could be a key p- reason for that. Was it smooth and was it perfect all the time? But I thought that side of the ball played really, really well. Or the, the, the third unit, I should say, uh, played really well for Auburn in this game. So I wanted to give, I wanted to give those guys their flowers. Chapman played really, really well. Uh, especially, and then it's not easy for a not easy for a young kicker to have to hit a fourth quarter game time kick like that. And really, I mean, one of the, one of, I maybe his first pressure kick of his career. Um, you know, I could be wrong there, but really good job there from him. All right, um, I think we're good. I think uh, I think we've I think we've wrapped up nicely. Like I said, uh, I'm gonna be in Talladega on Sunday celebrating with Jordan. Um, so. We will have stuff for you uh, early in the week, this off week. Uh, even though it's an off week, we are going to continue to pump out a bunch of stuff this week. Um, some basketball, some football, uh, newsletters, podcasts, and all that. Like I said, next podcast that we do, Thursday, basketball podcast, uh, our, our, our off week tradition. Then the next podcast we will do will be next Thursday, a week from Thursday, the LSU preview. So there will not be a free one this week. Uh, this upcoming week, sorry, a week from today. So if you are a free listener and not, not subscribed, you won't get another one for a couple of weeks. It's a good time to jump on board. So um, we're not doing we're not doing episode two of of ninety nine for ninety nine next next Saturday next pro- weekend. Said I mean, if you and Painter want to, uh, yeah, yeah, can do that. But I, uh, Painter, you ever seen Fantasia two thousand? Yeah, watch them on Zoom or something like that. Do a live, do a live, re- like live taping. But yeah, we will have newsletters and, and a podcast of some kind. Uh, I will try to. I will make sure to get them out there. It just might might be a little bit different or later. The schedule might be a little bit different at the beginning of the week. But appreciate all of you for understanding. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, looking forward to uh, digging into a lot of the stuff from this Georgia game and uh, basketball with practice being back underway. Should be talking to Bruce Pearl and Charles Barkley on Monday morning at Grand National. Um, so that'll be a that'll be a good time. Uh, as always. All right. Uh, subscribe to the Observer. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, it's going to be an interesting second half-ish of the season, I think. Um, Auburn put up a, a lot bigger fight than we all expected in this one, and I think it's a good sign. It's a, it's a good sign. they got to be able to build off of it, though. That'll do it. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, what is your favorite Adam McKay film? Ooh, um, 
I mean, I probably Anchorman, right? Like, I mean, is that is that that's still probably where where I would uh where I would list. I mean, I know there's and it's it's up and down for a movie everybody loves, but there's there's parts of Anchorman that are just uh just just un, unbeatable. Um, Justin, I know you said you were done. It's Talladega. Yes. It's Talladega. Yeah. Do you have a favorite NASCAR driver? Do you have uh, someone that you plan on rooting for? Nope. At Talladega, is there? All right, interesting. I have. I have nothing. I am here because Jordan invited us. I, I think Jordan. I think Jordan might be the only one among our party that is an actual like avid NASCAR fan. Um, my NASCAR experience is very minimal. Um, I have family. Uh, my dad's side of the family uh, is is from the Talladega area, so like familiar with racing and all that kind of from from growing up um my nascar experience is playing like nascar thunder on the ps2 that is kind of it for me my best friend growing up was a big nascar fan um i never could get fully into it though he was a huge jeff gordon fan like at the peak of the peak of jeff gordon's powers big gordon guy um so i've never been into it uh it's never been for me like what everybody got into formula one here not too long ago because of the netflix show Never really got it. Never really, never really understood it. Uh, but as somebody who um, appreciates people watching and having a good time, uh, I'm sure Talaga would be great for that. And uh, as someone who has played a fair number of racing games in his video games in his life, I can appreciate the sport of racing, even though uh, NASCAR isn't my forte. Uh, I am someone who plays a ton of Gran Turismo, so I know it doesn't look like that. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping uh, it would be a little fun. I'll have some fun on, on on Sunday, but I have no idea what to expect. So, those of you who are NASCAR heads out there, you probably know what I'm what I'm in for. I don't, so we're gonna be flying blind. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Railroad, don't go there. Airplane, don't go there. Greyhound, don't go there. Anywhere near that, it mean I got a wall. Gotta stick out my thumb